you, pal. I mean, can you tell us anything, anything in your life, in all the years you lived on earth that you did that could help us make a decision? So the newly arrived fellow thought for a moment, and he replied, yeah, he said, once I was driving along, and I, I came upon a person who's being harassed by a group of thugs. So, you know, I pulled over, got out of bat, and I went up to the leader of that gang, and I said, you know, here he was, a big, muscular guy with a ring pierced through his lip. And well, I went up, I tore the ring out of his lip, and I told him that he and his gang had better stop bothering this guy or they'd have to deal with me. Wow, that's impressive, said the angel. Now, when did this happen? Oh, about three minutes ago, actually. <laughs> well, this morning, we're, we're in our series called uh, Encounters, and we've been pouring through the New Testament, actually through the Gospels, and we've been looking at the encounters that Jesus had with people. And you, you can't do that without having a, you know, a few messages of the encounters that Jesus had with the disciples. Because uh, Jesus was, he was a small group leader. Do you realize that? You know, I mean, if he'd, if he'd been a part of the church, he'd definitely been leading a small group. Because he did all the time. He led a small group called the disciples. And he met with them, he, he lived with them, he trained them, he poured his heart into them. And this one's toward the, the very end, and quite honestly, I think it's one of the most important. And at times, I'm, I'm perplexed why the church doesn't often embrace this with the level of importance that I think Jesus gave it. You know, let, let's just talk about this for a moment. At the end of any person's life, when they're so to speak, on their deathbed, and they call their family or those closest to them around. It's in that moment that they inevitably share the most important things they can possibly share. They don't, they don't talk about the ball game and the weather and all the little minute stuff that so many times fill our conversation. When somebody's coming to the end of the, their journey and they've got those around them they, they're, they're, they love and cherish, they're going to share something meaningful, deep, powerful, lasting. And this encounter today between Jesus and the disciples, we're going to call it the Great Commission Disciples because it's an encounter that happened between Jesus and his disciples as Jesus was getting ready to leave this earth. And I think it's one that hopefully will speak to all of us today. And I want to give you a different thought about it today than maybe you've ever had before. Because I think a lot of times people just tune you out when you talk about Great Commission. They, they automatically think about missions and they think, well, I'm not called to that. And then so they don't even listen. You better not do that today. Because this is for you. This is for me. This is for every one of us. Because whether you realize it or not, you are a full-time minister and a full-time missionary. Do you know that? I'm serious. That's what scripture says. You're a full-time minister and a full-time missionary. Now, you might work at Kroger or at UPS or at the Ford plant, but it, regardless, you're still a full-time minister and a full-time missionary in God's eyes. That's the way God sees it. So Jesus is getting ready to leave the earth, and it's interesting because 
generally when we talk about the Great Commission, we think about one particular passage, Matthew chapter 28. And I've asked you to turn there to begin. But I want to say to you that I believe there are at least five very powerful Great Commission passages in the New Testament. And it's interesting because uh, one's found at the very last chapter of Matthew. One's found at the very last chapter of Mark. One's found in the very last chapter of Luke. One's found in the next to last chapter in the Gospel of John. And one's found in the first chapter of the book of Acts. It's five Great Commission passages. I want to say this to you again. You've heard me say this before, but anytime something is repeated in Scripture, it, it just adds to its level of importance. When you find a passage that, that made all four Gospels, then you absolutely know that those writers, as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, God was saying, this has got to make the letter. This has got to make the word. Because this, I cannot have my followers miss this. So it not only makes all four of the Gospels, but it also makes the book of Acts. And I want us to go through each of those this morning. And here's the neat thing about it. If you've never studied it, every one of them has a little different facet to it. Which is, which is really intriguing. It's like a diamond. Have you ever seen a diamond? I, I, I happened to catch a show the other day where they were actually, they were taking diamonds that had been uh, mined out of the earth. And if you've ever seen a diamond as it comes out of the earth, it isn't that pretty. And, and, a, and a master jeweler has to take that diamond and he grinds it so that he makes those facets and make it, makes it into something that's so brilliant and beautiful. And it's interesting because each of these passages has a different facet. And I want to highlight it to you today. So let's start Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Can you say amen? Now let me tell you something that often happens, happens when we think about that scripture. We leave off verse 18. We do. Most of the time when you've heard that quoted and or you have quoted it yourself, you particularly focus in on go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And maybe you include baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. But most, time, most of the time you hear that verse alluded to, verse 18 is left off. Most people start with verse 19. But I want you to look carefully with me this morning, and it's, it's there behind me on the board. Look carefully at verse 18, because verse 18 is key. Let me read it again. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority. Everybody say authority. authority. Yeah. All authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. And then he says in verse 19, go therefore. Now, I don't know if you ever heard this. My English teachers used to teach me this. But anytime there's a therefore, you're supposed to ask the question, what's that therefore? Anybody ever heard that from an English teacher? 
See, Miss Betty, she's told all of her students that very thing. Well, what's it there for? It's there because the two thoughts are to go together as one thought. Therefore is a bridging word. It, 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 it bridges verse 18 into 19 and 20. And you can't quote 19 and 20 without the truth of what 18 is saying. That's why it's there for. So here, here's what it's saying. It says, because all authority was given to Jesus in heaven and on earth, you and I are, are to go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them. See, that's powerful. You could, you could read the verse like this. Go therefore because of the authority that I've given to you. Go therefore because of the authority that I have invested now in you. Or you could read it this way from the Greek text. Literally it could, could read, having already gone or as you are going in my authority, make disciples. By the way, when you look at that passage, and I'm not trying to get too technical or theological here, but when you look at the passage in the original Greek, the main verb is make disciples. Oftentimes, we focus on go, therefore. It's on make disciples. Because, see, it is, in essence, it is assuming that as believers who see themselves as God sees them, as full-time missionaries and full-time ministers, you are on the go in his name. That's what Scripture's seeing. That's what Scripture is believing about you and I. That if you have had an encounter with God and your life has been changed by the love of Jesus Christ, then everywhere you go, you're going in his name, sharing his love and making disciples because of the authority that's been invested in you through God himself. Thank you over here. I got a little amen section. Sad over here, you take some notes. Take some notes. Keep it up over here. I like it. I like it. Hey, there's Mandy again. Good to see you, girl. So, you know what? Sadly, in so many churches, the Great Commission has become the Great Omission. And, it, you know, not just that that's a play on words, it's a sad fact and a reality. And here's what a lot of us do when it comes to the Great Commission. We look at it and we think, oh no, another thing I'm not doing. Here we go again. Pastor's going to heap guilt and shame on me for stuff I'm not doing. Wrong. It's not my job in any way, shape, or form. Do you know that the term commission, it's actually a military term? And here's where I want you to think about, Doug gave me a salute over here. I love it. Thank you, Doug. I want you to think about what commission actually means, okay? Because I think this is where we've got it wrong in so many ways. See, Jesus didn't give the Great Commission to make you and I feel guilty. He gave us the Great Commission to make you and I able. He didn't give it to make you feel guilty. He gave it to make you abled, enabled. 
able to carry out his heart, his desire for people. You see, when you give an officer or, or you know, a, 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 a person in, in, in the military a commission, here's what you're giving him or her. You're giving them the legal authority to carry out a duty. Would that be right, Doug? I got a thumbs up from Doug. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I like it. See, that's what Jesus was doing when he gave the Great Commission. The definition of commission is this, folks, and there it is right before you. It's legally transferred authority. So you've been given the great legally transferred authority by the greatest transferer ever, the greatest endurer of authority ever, Jesus Christ, God's Son. And by the way, God only had one son, and guess what? He made him a missionary, didn't he? And aren't you glad for that? I sure am. See, he was giving us his authority to take his love and his power to a lost and a dying world. Jesus, in the Great Commission, is legally transferring authority to us to go and make disciples. You have been empowered to go and make disciples by God. By the way, best definition of disciple-making perhaps is found in this verse. It's found right there. Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So what is it? What is disciple-making? Let me just tell you, it, it, it has two very principal components, evangelism and teaching. And sometimes, for whatever reason, I don't know why we do this, but we separate evangelism out of disciple-making. Have you ever found it very successful, trying to make a disciple out of someone that, first of all, you didn't help them understand and know God's love personally? You ever been able to make a disciple out of a non-Christian? See, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the whole world lay before these disciples. A world full of unconverted, lost, dying people without hope unless, unless people took seriously the commission being given to them. And thank goodness they did because they told somebody who told somebody who told somebody else on down the line who told you. And it's interesting because you can't make disciples without, first of all, making converts. We, we you know, fancy ourselves to some degree here as a church at New Song as being a, a very strong disciple-making community. But there's a facet of our disciple-making that really needs, to, needs to, to rise up, and that's reaching more people for the Lord. Because you can't make disciples unless you, first of all, reach them. And it's part of disciple-making, baptizing them because they have come to understand and know God's love for them because people like you and I have gone out in the authority of the Lord and we've shared the love of God with them. By the way, this verse also contains probably one of the greatest promises Jesus ever gave to believers. I love this promise. 
the very end of the verse, and lo, I'm with you always. Now, I have a friend who's, who's deathly afraid of flying, and he kind of interprets that verse a little differently than I do. Lo, I'm with you always. Not up there on one of those planes in the sky. Stay, stay low. But I interpret it like this. That if you and I accept the commission and the authority that God's given us and we go out into the world, let me tell you, there's a special presence of God. Wyoamers, have you experienced that? I've sure experienced it. It's why, by the way, I'm passionate about short-term missions. Because I think there's a facet of God's love, God's presence, God's, God's... just joy that you will experience on a short-term mission trip that maybe you don't experience anywhere else. So I've been a Christian for a long time and I've done a whole lot of things. I've gone to the best conferences, heard the best teachers, been in the best classes, been to the best seminaries, you name it. But there's something about going on a short-term mission trip that changed my heart forever. Because I experienced God in a whole new way. Amen, Rex? You you can say amen to that. John raising his hand back there. Man with a heart for India and Ireland and other places. Some of the sweetest times I've ever had with Jesus were somewhere in a dirty, you know, impoverished place. Hungry, tired, sweaty. Desperately needing a hot shower and a comfortable bed. And yet Jesus showed up in a way that was just beautiful. Compelling, powerful. Hey, it's not all about crossing the seas, by the way. When I say you're a missionary and a minister, it's, it's anywhere and everywhere. See, missions isn't about crossing the seas. It's really fundamentally about seeing the cross. And seeing the cross as the sign of redemption, the place of redemption. So you know what? You're a missionary to your neighbor just as much as you are a missionary to someone in a small village in in Kenya. It's interesting. Jesus is deputizing you and I in a sense, in this passage. Now there's a there's an episode of Andy Griffith. Anybody a, a, a fan of Andy Griffith? I love Andy Griffith. Thank you somebody for whistling that familiar tune. You know, there, there's an episode, and there's so many classic and wonderful episodes of Andy Griffith, but there's one where Barney's trying to deputize Goober Gomer, Floyd, and Otis. You know, he's trying to deputize those guys because there's a problem afoot and he's going to get the best help he can. And we all laugh just thinking about Barney. What a character. But let me just tell you, okay, you've been deputized by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. By the God of this universe, the very one who made you and created you for a purpose. You've been deputized, you've been commissioned, you've been given legal authority by the greatest force in the whole universe. 
Secondly, so we're to go with authority. Secondly, we're to go with signs. Mark chapter 16, if you have your Bible, you're welcome to turn there. You can just look at it on the screen with me. Starting in verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Did you notice there's three key words in that passage I just read? Signs will follow. Everybody say that with me. Signs will follow. Okay, big difference in you following signs and signs following you. Big difference there. Some people chase after signs, constantly looking for a sign, constantly wanting a word, constantly, you know, going wherever they think something special is happening, instead of realizing they could be a conduit through which heaven comes to earth, through which God does His miraculous works. Here's the key. And so many times we, we sit around and wonder, well, why, why don't we see things happening in America like I hear about stories of things happening in other parts of the world? Part of it is because we become so shy, we become so, we become so demure, we become so sophisticated, we become so you know, sanitized in our approach to even trying to reach out to people. We don't want to say anything to hurt anybody. We don't want to be seen as intolerant. We don't want to you know, preach the gospel when, well, honestly, there's so many paths to God. No, there isn't. So we hardly say anything anymore. And it's the preaching of the gospel that is a power of God unto salvation for people. You preach the gospel. You truly preach the gospel. I'm not talking about just sharing your story. Share your story, but include Scripture because Scripture is the living Word of God. And we'll get to that in a moment. But you, you just won't believe how when you truly begin to share the gospel with people, signs just start to follow that. It's, it's the book of Acts. When I was, uh, when I was uh, uh, <clears throat> early on in my walk with the Lord, I got, I got so passionate about sharing Christ with people. And Rex was with me on much of this, so he can testify to a lot of this. We saw some incredible things, didn't we, Rex? And, and, and we would, on, on Friday nights... You know, instead of going and, and watching a movie at a buddy's house or something like that, there were a bunch of us. We gathered downtown Louisville and, and, and in an empty bus, old uh, bus station parking lot. And one of my buddies would bring a big old box of tracks, and there were probably 25, 30 of us at 10 o'clock at night on a Friday night in the old trailway bus station parking lot down Muhammad Ali first, somewhere around there. And the pitch dark of the night, we'd gather, get in a circle, we'd start praying. <laughs> Oh, God, be with us. Oh, God, go with us. Because right now we're going out in your name and we're going out as, as sheep among wolves. you got to protect us. you got to use us. And then we break off into groups of two or three and we just spread all out. And then we come back in a few hours and meet. And let me tell you, it wasn't long until I saw God doing things I'd never seen God do before. I saw the Lord in the, in the wake of preaching the gospel begin to touch and heal and deliver people in miraculous ways. 
It was amazing. It, it, it captured my heart for sharing the Lord. Because what he says, it happens. It happens when you are sharing the gospel. And then you say, you know what? Let me tell you, you want to see God work? All you have to do is share the gospel and then step out in faith and pray for an unbeliever. Listen, God loves to show up when you and I are sharing with an unbeliever. Because he wants to show himself real to them and reveal his love for them. And it's amazing. Signs will follow. By the way, when you read this passage and there's controversy swirls around this passage, let me just tell you, you know, Jesus is not trying to start a snake handling church here, okay? But as the gospel is preached and proclaimed, God's going to move and work. And, and here's some of the signs that will follow. People will be baptized, indicating a change of life. They'll cast out demons. The freedom will come to folks. Spiritual language will become a part, of their, a, a part of their intimacy and their walk with God. And then it says they'll take up serpents. What's that mean? What's that mean? Very interesting. Clearly, I think he's speaking here of, of warring against the demonic. And let me tell you why. I don't think he's just talking about going to the, to the hicks and hollers of eastern Kentucky and starting a snake handle in church. I don't think that's what he's talking about, folks. And let me tell you why. Let me give you some scripture, scriptural reference on what I believe he's truly saying here. In Revelation 12, 9, here it says this. It says, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. Same exact word that's used for serpent here is the word used for serpent in Revelation 12, 9. It says, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. Again, that very same word is used, listen, in this passage. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this. Rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Or no, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice rather that your names are written in heaven. Folks, when Jesus is giving this commission in Mark, he, he doesn't mean that you and I are going to go out there and step on snakes and stinging critters. That's not what he's saying. He means that you're going to go out in his name, and yes, there's an enemy that will try to oppose you, but you have authority in Jesus' name over all the works of the enemy. Isn't that good news? Did you notice, by the way, and as I said earlier, it didn't say that, that, that you'll follow signs. It says that signs will follow you. You go, you pray for people, and God's going to work in people's hearts. We get to do the works of the Lord Jesus because we go in his name and we go in his authority. As John Wimber said long ago, when do we get to do the stuff? I'm telling you this morning, you get to do the stuff. It's pretty exciting. And number three, go with Scripture. Luke chapter 24, if you want to turn there, verse 44, it says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. 
Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. See, when Jesus was talking to the 11 disciples and he gave them the Great Commission, he didn't mean just for them to be disciples. He's sending them out to make more disciples. It's a multiplication movement of exponential quantity. So, because he said go and make disciples, and you and I are disciples... If he opened the scripture to them, he'll open the scripture to you. Okay, amen, corner. That should have got an amen right there. Anybody here want to admit that there was a day and a time where you could not understand scripture for the life of you? I, you know, you've heard me tell the story. I found my mom's old black Bible. I opened it up. It just freaked me out. I couldn't understand it. I didn't know where to turn in it. It just seemed spooky to me. And then I got born again. And then I met Jesus. Man. And Scripture came alive to me in a newfound way. All you got to do is know the Lord. And Scripture all of a sudden begins to unfold. It begins to open up. He begins to help you to understand it. Why? Because it's a living book. And we serve a living God who breathed that book into being. And now your eyes have been opened, the Bible says, and you've been given spiritual eyes to be able to see spiritual truth. So as you come daily to God's Word and apply yourself through study and prayer, folks, you can understand God's Word and you can share it with others. You don't have to have a seminary degree to understand the Bible. Just get saved and study God's Word and the power of the Spirit will bring it alive. Amen? By the way, we believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of the Bible. I know those are big words and, again, not trying to get technical. We, we believe, here's what we believe. We believe that God breathed the scriptures into being. That literally as those various writers through hundreds of years, different countries from different backgrounds were breathed upon by the Holy Spirit that, that the, the infallible, inerrant, inspired word of God came to be. Let me tell you what infallible means. It means there are no errors in God's true word. There, and inerrant means it is the truth. Here's what we're to be doing all week long. <sighs> Breathing it in. Breathing in that living word. That inspired breath of God. <laughs> we need to breathe in the truth of God's infallible inerrant word every day so that you and I are living by truth, living by his leading. Jesus said this about the word of God. It is spirit and it is life. By the way, I'm disturbed by how many churches are, 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 are going with less and less and less Scripture. We're going to stick with Scripture, church. 
Because Scripture is what points us to true north. Amen? So, you know what you might ask yourself or might, might, might ask, you know, how many Scriptures do I need to know to be a witness for the Lord if I'm out on this great commission and I'm to be sharing God's love? Let me tell you, it's pretty simple. You can just know three very common Scriptures and you can be a witness, folks. Romans 3.23, you know it. For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life. Romans 10.13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That right there will work. But Pastor Jeff, what if somebody asked me about all the suffering and evil in the world? Tell them this. For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Christ Jesus. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But Pastor Jeff, what if they ask about the dinosaurs and all that? Tell them this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life. For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel is the power of God. Hey, this side's picking up. You guys better, this side's picking up. You don't have to answer every question. You don't have to know every argument. You don't have to solve every problem. You have to present the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation for those who would believe. Not everybody's going to believe, but your job is to preach the gospel. It's to plant the seeds. It's to water the seeds. God's job is to give the growth. Amen. Where was I? Acts 8.35 says this. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to them. Acts 18.28. This talking about Apollos. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. See, when God commissioned you, he gave you authority, he gave you signs, and he gave you the living, powerful word of God. And number four, you're to go with grace. You're to go with grace. John chapter 20, if you want to turn there. Starting in verse 21, it says, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Powerful passage. Again, another interesting facet. As the Father has sent me, I send you. Wow. As the Father has sent Jesus, now Jesus is sending you and I. Let me give you a little loop to think about here, and you can chew on this one for a while. Think about this. The Father gave the Son. The Son gave the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave to you and I the Son in, in, in a real way. He's living in us. And then the Son gives us the Father. And it starts all over again. Think about that. Let me say it one more time just in case you're going, what did you just say, Pastor Jeff? The Father gave the Son. The Son gave the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave us, gave us, made real to us the Son, and then the Son makes real to us the Father. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that powerful? Listen, notice verse 23. Verse 23 says, If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. See, what this is saying is you and I are to go in a spirit of forgiveness. 
We're not to go in a spirit of judgment and condemnation. We're to go offering forgiveness because the price has already been paid. And the forgiveness has already been established. All they need to do is believe and receive that. See, God's placed a great task before us. And and quite honestly, he uses people. You and I are plan A. There isn't any plan B. It's our job. Here's the message you and I are to proclaim. God loves you, and he wants to give you forgiveness and freedom. That's a beautiful message, isn't it? We're to take the message of forgiveness to people. And then number five, we're to go with power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, folks, this message is not designed to make you feel guilty. It's to remind you of what has been so graciously given to you and I in order to fill to fulfill God's great desire in the earth that every person would come to know the love of the father God says I I wish that not one would perish no not one that every nation would come to know God's great love for them See, you've been given authority. You'll have signs that'll follow you. You have the living word of God at your beck and call. You have the grace of God. And you have the power of God to help reach your neighbors and to help reach nations. By the way, the power mentioned here in Acts is the word, in the Greek, it's the word dunamis. You can figure out what we get from that. We get dynamite from that word dunamis. It's the dynamic power of God or the miraculous ability of God. It's literally saying this, that you will receive miraculous ability to be my witness. And by the way, just just so you understand this, it's not your job to win them. You just have to tell them. God's the one that'll win them. But he wants you to be the messenger. And you and I get the great privilege of being God's messenger. First Corinthians 3, 7 says this, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters. It's not all about us but it's God who gives the increase. Oh, we're to be planting and we're to be watering, but ultimately it's God is the one who wins people. And we have all we need through the Great Commission to be a witness for him, but it's God who does the real work. By the way, you're never going to reap if you never sow. Do you know that? There's, there's some people sitting here today and, and you're, you know, this, this message is kind of missing you a little bit because you've never had the privilege or opportunity to lead anybody to Christ. And quite honestly, probably the problem is that you've just not been sowing many seeds. The more so- seeds you sow, the more likely it is that God's going to give you the great privilege of reaping, of getting that opportunity to pray with, to disciple, to help somebody. Be 
become a follower of Christ themselves. Would you stand with me? Worship team, would you guys come back? And ministry team, won't you guys go ahead and come up front? As we close today, let's, let's pray. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes for a